the South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Welcome back, high school football fans, to South Coast End Zone, the podcast. I still don't have a full voice here. I'm the host, Brennan Curie, so I'm going to battle through here. And uh, we're going one-on-one here with Sam Schilling. No uh, no Nick Fryer this week. He couldn't make it in, but uh, we got plenty of hot takes to make up for it. Yeah, we got, you know, still got one team alive in the in the MIA playoffs. And um, I know, Brendan, you're kind of running, running ragged here. You got a lot of kind of a short staff and you're covering exactly. a lot of, covering a lot of, a lot of playoff games. games. We're down to six playoff teams left. Uh, four volleyball teams, Old Colony Boys Soccer, and the team we'll be starting off with here. Old Rochester Bulldogs football team, who this seems crazy to say on November eighth, but they are one win away from playing at Gillette. Yeah, yeah. So what is so Division six? They just don't have a Western. You just play the exactly. North. So there's a North, a South, and a Central, and they kind of rotate who doesn't have a state semifinal. So last year, I believe it was the North that did not have a state semifinal. The North champion kind of got a bye directly into the championship game and this year it's the south and so i assume next year it's the central so the north and the central champions will play each other that week before thanksgiving old rochester gonna buy do whatever coco decides they're gonna do against the Poniquit. you know this is all if they win mm-hmm. and then uh it'll be either november uh 30th i believe that's the friday um yeah november 30th or december 1st those are the two days at Gillette for all the games. So, mm-hmm. well, that's a pretty good break for these guys. Uh, you know, whoever comes out of this game. But, um, Brendan, I know you made it over to practice yesterday, so you kind of got the lowdown on what what. Yeah, to a little bit of Ashland. So, uh, in a lot of ways, they're going to be very similar to Dedham. Probably a little bit more balanced. Like Dedham really got away from the run. I, I don't know the box score in front of me, but less than ten run plays all game in the last one, and they threw it over forty times. In the last one. So I think uh, there'll be a little bit more running from Ashland. But, again, they're going to like to get out there. They're spread offense. They like to throw the ball. Uh, one interesting wrinkle is they have two quarterbacks. And uh, so they kind of have uh, Jackson Horning. He's a senior, and he's kind of their throwing quarterback. And uh, he had a big game uh, last week in their uh, win uh, over uh, Medway in the uh, section semifinal. And then they have a junior, Dom Cavanaugh. Who comes in? He's uh, he's number seven. Jackson Horning is number fifteen. If you're at the game and looking for him, and uh, so Kavanaugh is kind of more of the scrambling guy. He's kind of the the dual threat. You know, he can beat you with the arm, beat you with the with the legs. Uh, looking back through some of their games, they're uh, you know only have one loss on the season, but they've actually had a lot of more close games than the Bulldogs have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they play the Tri Valley League, it's a pretty strong conference, and I know they moved up from the small. Uh, to the large so they were playing you know a really competitive slate um so i don't you know i don't think you can read yeah, too so much like into those they, so they played medway in week one and medway actually uh scored a touchdown at the very end of the game and then went for two for the win and ended up not getting it and losing That's mm-hmm. a, quite a call by the coach there mm-hmm. um then uh hopkinton was beating them by seven with less than two minutes left and then even last week against medway again in that section semifinal, they were down 14 to nothing at the half and uh, came back and won at 19-14. Uh, Nathan Sickles had three uh, touchdown catches as wide receiver. That'll be interesting. So that'll probably be, you'd think, uh, what Tyler Noe would get that assignment. 
Probably, yeah. Uh, again, although they like to run a lot of the zone, actually. So, mm-hmm. you know, he might he might have him on short yardage, and then a safety has him over the top. Yeah, and then one thing, because um, I had just seen the numbers from Dedham, and I the only, actually, I, I didn't make it to that game on Friday. I went and saw the New Bedford game, um, and they ended up playing on Saturday. They ended so up playing Saturday, yep. I, I didn't make it to the game on Saturday, I guess. But, you know, I saw a couple of your highlights, and the Dedham quarterback, although, you know, passing for really great numbers, he didn't look like he was the strongest armed uh-huh. Yeah, no, he wasn't bad. He, he threw pretty well on the run. Um, I mean, he did miss a few, but, I mean, basically the Bulldogs kind of sat back in a cover two and were like, hey, we'll give you seven, eight yards. You know, so they, they ran, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of what I'd call the old school term, kind of just button hooks in the middle of the field kind of, yeah. just kind of, you know, run out seven yards, turn around, and he'll hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like OR to some extent was like, all right, if you can string together – eight of those on one drive, go for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked at first, the very first drive, uh, Dedham was just driving down the field, connecting on every pass. Kogler's going nuts on the sidelines, you know, screaming, what are we doing? We're, you know, and then it seemed like they settled down a little bit. They kind of were able to stall that drive out on about the 25. Mm-hmm. And then from there on out, you know, they'd allow some first downs, but never like really full sustained drives. And uh, Dedham didn't get a second touchdown until – you know, borderline garbage time at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely sounds like it'll be another another challenge this week because last week it feels like you know ORR definitely impressed me, and then the big story I guess was Will Garcia coming back. Um, yes, yeah, so I just gives him just another weapon in that backfield. He wasn't you know he didn't look like Will Garcia we remember from you know last year or the first few weeks of this year, but he's got another week of practice under his belt. Uh, I'm sure he's going to look a little bit better, and then they just have so many weapons that they can kind of go with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that game it was Desmond Dias was kind of the guy who was churning out yards every time. Uh, Dedham definitely was uh, trying to take away the edge uh, and kind of forcing old Rochester to kind of run it down the gut, and that's kind of where Dias uh, excels. And so he was uh, 125 yards and a couple of touchdowns, including kind of the, the touchdown that put away the game late. Yeah, and it, it'll in- be interesting to see also, um, it sounds like Ashland's, just from you, your conversation with uh, uh, Coach Kogler, that you know they're playing in a conference that's almost exclusively spread offenses. Yeah, so, you the know, opposite of the South yeah, Coast so Conference. Yeah, so you see um, ORR, because they're running just an old school smash mouth, you know, uh, one or two tight ends, full back, you know, running it down the gut, uh, kind of a QB option, QB keep, uh, you know, triple option action off the edge. Um, so what Ashland does to, to stop that, again, I think teams, uh, you know, if you're sticking with, you know, uh, three or four man front, you're going to have some some problems. So what kind of flexibility they have on the defensive line um, to, you know, to keep it in front of you. And, and I think you almost want to, although Cole McIntyre and Tyler knows put up great numbers, I think you do want to see if ORR can beat you through the air. I think that still is. Yeah, no one's really forced them to completely actually do that. I mm-hmm. mean, as much success as they've had, Cole's still only throwing the ball five, six times a game. Like, most of his lines are two for four with a touchdown, you know? Like, right, it's a change-up. It's not. Um, and then you think that that could, if they could somehow, you know, uh, I don't know what kind of athletes they have on the edge. It sounds like this is Nathan Sickles. I don't know if he's playing both ways, but, you know, yeah, they've, I'm not sure. they've got some. I heard they have some size. They have some speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you figure they got some speed if they're playing the spread. Yeah, and if they're playing at this point of the year, you know, it's uh, – there's no no bad teams left. No, no. So this is this will be an exciting matchup because again, it did seem like the spread offenses, you know, kind of those hiccups that ORR had against Case and then Bishop staying in the first round were against kind of the spread teams, and then they had a nice outing last week. It's been interesting. You kind of seen a little bit of progress, and mm-hmm. and Kogler's talked about this. You know, they went through the regular season and they were just 
defending against the run pretty much the whole regular season. They thought they were going to be defending the run in the case game, so they kind of went into it game planning against a run heavy offense. And then case surprised them, came out in the spread and caught them unawares and, you know, that had a lot of success with it. The next week against Stang, they were a little bit better, but Stang was still able to move the ball. I mean, obviously, Justin Lopes is kind of an animal to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this last week against Dedham, they really you could really see improvement. They seemed like they had their assignments down a little bit better. They were, you know, knew a little bit more, kind of like when they were letting a guy go into another zone, the other guy was picking him up. Still some hiccups, but you could kind of see the progress as now they're in, I guess, week three or week four of actually practicing for spread yeah, offenses. And I think if you ask Coach Kogler, it's, it is kind of um, happening the way that he, he would have hoped because the one concern I had about OR heading into the playoffs was they hadn't really been challenged. Yep. And then Case came up with kind of, it seems like, the performance of the, the year playing ORR so tightly and in this you know really exciting game. And then Bishop Stang showed a lot of grit mm-hmm. and toughness. And, you know, they're kind of able to to build off those teams where I was afraid they were going to be unchallenged for, you know, the first nine games of the season and then yeah. run into a team that, that challenged them and not, not really, uh, you know, be capable of, you know, having sanded out those rough edges or whatever. So um, I think, you know, it's trending in the right direction and then getting Will Garcia and Tyler No back on. Yep, uh, and I'm with Cam Brzezinski came back a few weeks ago. Like mm-hmm. this, So last week was the first week all year they had all three of those guys playing on the field the same time and this week it should be even better because i think we'll be a little bit better another week of practice another week of conditioning and uh the real thing it's going to come down to is those turnovers they really struggled with the turnovers against case and against bishop stang uh, a little bit of interceptions but a lot of fumbling and then against Adam, they didn't turn it over at all mm. they won the turnover battle by three and they won by three scores yeah and they're i mean if because if they're grinding out yard yards on the ground and again they, they do kind of have a fun tempo wrinkle where they can get to the line really quick and you know snap the ball and kind of get the defense really winded and uh kind of stop them from substituting, substi- substituting. but then also if you get you know uh two a two score lead you can also use that offense to really grind out you know and shorten can, the game although this is the one thing that i do question not me the one thing but one of the things i do question is about is they keep the tempo <coughs> excuse me a lot of times late in those games mm-hmm. even against Dedham, you know they're getting the ball with I'm going to say like seven minutes left. And I'm like, all right, here's now they're going to take the The full full 40 40 every time. And they weren't. I think they really like just kind of staying in that tempo. And they did. They went down and scored, which in the end is probably even better than just uh, running the clock all the way down. Although you could argue that a six minute possession would have been almost better than a quick score and give it back to them. Yeah, that is one thing I kept waiting for. Like, okay, when is the possession where we're going to be like, all right, now we're waiting the full 40. You know, you're not even lining up till there's 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. And uh, I haven't really seen it, even in some of these late close games. Even against Tang, they kept up a lot of the tempo late. And last week against Dedham, it was both teams were playing with a lot of tempo. So it was mm-hmm. it was a fast-moving game. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Not that... clockwise, but as far as, like, a lot of plays were run. Because yeah. you can still run with the same tempo. You just, you know, have the quarterback enter the huddle later and, you know... Exactly. Talk but, to... Kogler, because I think he's getting his play calls from the sideline anyway. Yep. So it's just, you know, what talk about what you had for lunch for the first fifteen yeah, exactly. seconds, and then get back into, you know, whatever. But you know, we'll we'll see. And I hey, understand where are you going after the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that, that and that'll be bad. I think the turnovers, and then the other thing is last year against Middleborough. So I was down there. We were talking a lot. You know, some good amount of the players are back from last season. Is probably less than fifty percent, but I'd say maybe at least forty percent of the starters are back 
from the Middleborough game. Cole McIntyre's back. Will Garcia, a couple of the guys on the line, uh, Nick Bersari, Nick Thayer, uh, Desmond Diaz. You know, a lot of these guys are back. Uh, and what really hurt him last year was the big plays. Like, they were leading Middleborough. And for the most part, they kind of held Middleborough in check, and then they gave up three plays of 50 yards, three scoring plays mm. of 50 yards or more. Mm. And so those seem to be the two things that they're really focused on this week are protecting the ball, not turning it over, and then exactly what they did against Dedham, which is we're okay giving up some yardage as long as it's not chunk yardage. Right, right. And I think, it, especially in this game, I do think athletically they're, they're superior – uh, to what they were last year in terms of team speed. Yes, so I think especially that, in the secondary. That definitely helps in terms of explosives. And then also, no matter how good these teams are, asking a team to you know put together a 12 to 15-yard drive compared to you know, a two play or three. Play drive, I think you mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah play, dri- play drive. You know, so to sustain your focus composure, exactly. not have drops, not have uh, you know mistakes, not go off sides, not do all these things, um, definitely works in your favor so again if you're giving up those little five yard you know keeping everything underneath coming up tackling with confidence um i think they're gonna be in good shape so i think yeah, he's tackling good. will be another key yeah. too you know making sure that first guy to the ball get makes a tackle is always huge and then the last thing will be the weather mm-hmm. so it's looking like uh friday night will be rainy again which yeah would which seem to play to in favor. the bulldogs favor uh mm-hmm. it was kind of funny i was uh the girls' soccer team played at Mass Maritime uh, on Wednesday. And I was talking to the AD, Bill Tilden, and I was like, oh, your field's just not in, in shape yet? And he's like, well, Justin Kogler was asking me to play soccer on that field. So Kogler wants, you know, that field to be beaten up as much as possible, to be raining. You know, he wants a mud fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the girls' soccer coach was like, get me on the turf. I got a lot of speed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the girls' soccer coach won out for his own team. Yeah, what was that story Appropriately about? so. Belichick, he'd always, like, really, like, heavily water the, the field and just make your, you know, ask the, the grounds crew not to, you know, mow it a couple of days before. And, yeah, you, you know, know Pittsburgh's field, right, where the grass yeah. was always kind of a mess in the playoffs because they like to run and there's been some issues with the Dolphins' field. Yeah, and it's cool It's cool to see not only is their offensive throwback, but their their playing surface is definitely a throwback. And this, yes, you know, because you can so, go yeah. stretches where, uh, you know, coaching now, it's – it's so um, funny to think that playing on grass is kind of unique, but that's kind of how it plays out. Like it seems like you know only ten to fifteen percent of the games I've coached this year have been on uh, been been on. Anything now you are in the fancy ISL there, though. So yeah, you yeah, go across the South Coast. There's a little bit more grass. I mean, it's still, but it's maybe fifty fifty as opposed to yeah. That's true. That's you know, true. Eighty twenty, um, whatever mm-hmm. it is in the ISL. Uh, but it, you know the the field actually on Friday though against Dedham like. I would actually say the wind probably factor was more of a difficulty for the passing game. The field wasn't that bad. I was actually surprised, and it didn't rain at all during the game. Mm-hmm. The game was perfectly dry. You know, the field was not muddy. It was maybe a little bit softer than you'd want it, but it wasn't actively muddy. And uh, but really, what kind of factored in a little bit was it was actually fairly windy. Yeah, that it was, which also probably helped them kind of take the top off that passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, those deep throws. While they did complete a couple, one of them was the last play of the game. You know, when literally time expired when the guy caught it on the five. So, and that was uh, I think a forty-yard pass, and that was one of the two probably longest passes of the whole game. Mm-hmm. So, it'll also be interesting. Old Rochester did a decent job of finishing a couple of his drives with a little bit of a longer scoring play. So a few times in the games that they've struggled in, or not they've struggled, they've won every game, but the games that have been closer, sometimes when the field gets condensed, they have a little bit more trouble running their offense. And so when you're able to score from the 20 or the 25, 
that takes that factor out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's seven o'clock on Friday night at Old Rochester. You picking the Bulldogs or uh, you picking the? Uh, they got a funny nickname. Oh, the Clockers. Clockers. That's, that's got to be have something to do with Probably clock making and action. Clock, or yeah. So which I always like. There's historical, some clock, yeah. Um, historically, you know, representative nicknames. So you might think I'm leaning towards the Clockers, but I'm going to go Bulldogs. So I think that they're. You know, getting getting their guys back. I think it is gonna, you know, playing in the elements, playing on uh, natural surface is probably gonna slow down Ashland. But I do expect this to be the biggest test of the year so far. So yeah, I don't think it'll be as easy as the Denim win was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think maybe this is a little bit of hoping to be able to cover a team of Gillette. Mm. But I do think the Bulldogs will keep the train rolling. Yeah, and if I mean if they if they protect the football. It's a tough, tough offense. Yeah, I'd say if they don't turn it over at all, I'd almost like guarantee a win. But if they turn it over a couple times, I would flip my pick. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that'll be the key. Is uh, I said earlier, they they did they won the turnover battle by three. They won by three scores. I, I feel like that might be how the game goes. Whoever wins the turnover battle by whatever margin wins by that many touchdowns. Nice. All right, so we'll quickly go into. We do have one. This we're recording this uh, about noontime, lunchtime on Thursday. We have one game tonight. Uh, if you're looking at the MIA site, you might be a little bit confused, but Carver is coming to Wareham to play a game at six o'clock tonight. Carver's three and four. Uh, Wareham's two and seven with two straight victories. They beat Holbrook Avon uh, forty to twenty-eight last week. Now, if you want to play the score game in this one, uh, Wareham lost twenty to six to Voke Tech. Uh, Voke Tech beat Martha's Vineyard twenty-seven to fourteen. And uh, Carver beat Martha's Vineyard 7-0. So Carver beat a team that lost to, Vo- that lost to Voke Tech, and then Voke Tech beat Wareham, if you put all those dots together. Wait. Oh, okay, Voke Tech beat Wareham, yeah. All right. Yeah, Voke Tech beat Wareham, but 20-6. to But Voke Tech beat the Vineyard 27-14, to and Carver beat the Vineyard 7-0. Okay, um, well, I'm going to take the local team, Wareham. Um, I know very little about Carver. Obviously, the Stang score sticks out. Uh, they Stang beat uh, Carver 35 to 14. Um, and again, I hopefully Wareham can kind of you know build on some of the confidence they've generated the last two weeks, and it looks like their offense is clicking a little bit. Um, and keep that going. You know, it could be a nice, a nice kind of they're kind of the only show in town or uh, in the area and they're playing at home. So hopefully they get a nice little crowd out there. And um, I think this could be a, a nice momentum builder for Fran Cass and uh, the Wareham Vikings heading into next year. Yeah, you figure they're, they're probably not going to win on uh, Thanksgiving against Bourne. So this is kind of their chance to get to a, a three-win season. like With everything know, going with on. With everything yeah. that happened and the numbers they had this year. And uh, Isaac Pinero is no longer with the team, uh, the quarterback. So... He kind of, you know, had you know been on and off throughout the season. Uh, so now they've been playing Siler King at quarterback, and now they're using Eric Zinemore as a wide receiver. And uh, in these games uh, where they're matched up better, they're able to use some of their freshman running backs more. So we've seen uh, Jamari uh, Santiago Pires uh, playing well the last couple of weeks. So I'm uh, also going to take the the Vikings in this one. Uh, it's interesting because uh, before the season, when I was down at a practice, you know. They were talking about, you know, what's, what's the future of Wareham football going to be? Is it going to need a co-op? And there was some talk like, oh, maybe Carver, because they already have the co-op in hockey. And then Carver went ahead and did their co-op with Sacred Heart this year. So I don't know if we, uh, you know, looking like Wareham uh, with the numbers they got from the freshman class, 
will be able to keep its own program. But down the line, it's possible we end up seeing this as some type of uh, you know co-op down the line mm-hmm. in a few years. So uh, let's move on to uh, Friday. Uh, we got we always talk about Old Colony and how we never really have the right comparison points for them. And it looks like they're going to provide us with that on Friday night at 6 o'clock. The Cougars, 5-4. and four. Interestingly, we only have two teams out of the nine that we cover in our area with winning records right now. And Old Colony is, is uh, the other one other than, obviously, undefeated Old Rochester. So they're visiting 3-6 and six Fairhaven at 6 o'clock. Um, Old Colony is uh, coming off a win over Atlantis Charter. There's only so much you can read into a win over Atlantis Charter. We've kind of been over that with other teams, too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Fairhaven uh, is coming off to a lost sandwich. They put up some good points though, forty-eight to thirty-one. Brady Bennett threw three touchdowns. He has four in uh, kind of a week and a half, you know, game and a half since he's returned from his broken collarbone. So this is going to be an interesting idea. You know, Fairhaven's struggling down the stretch. They've lost five out of six. Uh, Old Colony had started really strong, had some trouble. They lost three in a row at one point to BP and a couple to Upper Cape. Bounce back last week against Atlanta's charter, but kind of see how both these teams can kind of finish the season because Fairhaven has a really tough one going up against Dartmouth on Thanksgiving, and uh, Old Colony will have Tri-County. Yeah, I think just as you were saying with uh, Wareham kind of facing a tough team on Thanksgiving, I think Fairhaven, you know, they're hosting. Uh, they're going to be geared up. The pretty strong senior class, and again, that was a really nice story to see Brady Bennett coming back from the collarbone injury or shoulder injury, whatever it was. Collarbone, yeah. And... Um, I think Fairhaven is going to beat up on the Cougars. Again, I have never seen Old Colony play because they never play anybody locally. And I really have no um, concept. You going to head down there on Friday night maybe? At 6 o'clock, I might. That That is tempting. And I do think that's kind of the most beautiful spot to catch a game. I mean, that it's only a matter of time until you know that's in a movie sometime because that's just a beautiful, uh, really pick. Picturesque uh, spot yeah, to backdrop catch a game. of the historic school behind. Yeah, you yeah, and, and occasionally, yeah. if you're kind of in the right spot in the end, zone, you can catch a little bit of the the, uh, the water off in the background. Yep. Um, so I, I definitely think that could be kind of kind of fun. And again, putting up 31 points against Sandwich, who we saw you know beat up on uh, Vogue Tech, is a little bit of an accomplishment. And I do like him, some of their skill guys, Owen Sabula, uh, Flynn Burgo, um and Zach Yeah. So I do think Fairhaven's going to take it to Old Colony, and that'll give us kind of a nice point of reference. Um, I also think we should mention Nick Fryer, although he wasn't able to make it, uh, did want to make sure that all the his his uh, Cougar faithful knew that he was picking Old Colony. So One of the reasons he couldn't make it is he's working on a story on uh, congratulations to Matt Trahan. The Old Colony Athletic Director was uh, named the, um, I'm going to mess up the acronym, but it's uh, M-S-S-A-D-A uh, Athletic Director of the Year. So that was wow. announced yesterday. So uh, Nick's working on that story. It's uh, like Massachusetts Secondary School Athletic, Athletic Director Association or whatever. Wow. Um, so congratulations to him. He's done a great job with the uh, all the Cougars athletics there. And, uh, yeah, so Nick wanted to make sure that he was p- – we world knew he was picking the Cougars yep. in this one. Uh, that said, I'm going to go with Fairhaven. I do think uh, we'll see a little bit of that difference between – even a lower-level SEC team and a higher-level Mayflower team. Uh, you can play a little bit of the score game. I always love doing this with this one. So Old Colony lost 14 nothing to Bristol Plymouth. Vogue Tech beat Bristol Plymouth 28 to nothing, And it was way back in Week 1, but Vogue Tech and Fairhaven played a close 19-13 to game. And I almost might Tech... I think Vogue Tech has kind of really improved as the season's gone on. 
and kind of learning the system under Justin Cruz. I know always first year season under a new head coach, always there's a learning curve. So uh, that to me makes me think that Fairhaven should have this game, especially with Brady Bennett back. Yeah, that's that was definitely a big comparative score. Old Colony losing uh, fourteen to nothing to Bristol Plymouth, and that was just a that game was just a couple weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, four four weeks ago, but and yeah, for it was Vogue, like week six, I think. Yeah, and Vogue Tech uh, kind of took it to that team. And again, you know, I'm I'm not close enough to the Bristol Plymouth program to know if they had you know anybody was missing or something like that. And Vogue Tech, the, the Vogue Tech Bristol Plymouth game was very recently. I think it was two that weeks was, ago. That was last week. Uh, la- yes, they beat them twenty-eight to nothing. That was like the best performance of the year for. Folk Tech, yeah, it was that Thursday yeah. night game, yeah, um, and actually, and got the big performance out of their freshman uh, Cameron yeah. Lynch now playing quarterback. You actually got to see him play. I wasn't at that game. What were your takeaways? Uh, you know, again, anytime you're seeing a freshman play, I think you're grading on a curve. That's pretty impressive to see a freshman out there. Um, I can only imagine what he was doing at the freshman level. Uh, but yeah, really impressive. Hit his spots again. I wasn't overly impressed with Bristol Plymouth's coverage. It seemed like he was thrown into some pretty good windows, uh, pretty big windows, I should say. But that being said, just, you know they've got to be ecstatic that they're going to have this kid for the rest of this season and three years coming up to kind of yeah. coach, you know, coach him up. Um, they're running some fun stuff on offense. They kind of have like that little pistol um, wing T set that they also run. Uh, getting that uh, Cacho is it uh, yeah, Hector? Hi- Hector Heiser or something like that, um, but yeah, they've got they've got some weapons, and it must be nice for them, kind of generating some confidence moving forward. Um, and it's amazing that. what they've been able to do with so many injuries. You know, they their two best players for two thirds of the season were Ethan Almeida, uh, well, at least two of their three best because uh, Danny Haywood's in there, but Jaden Barros was their best running back, and Ethan mm-hmm. Almeida was you know a difference maker quarterback for him, and those guys got hurt. And Cacho stepped up, and um, I'm blanking on the quarterback who played in between um, Almeida and Lynch. I want to say it started with a D. Anyway, there was another quarterback who'd come in. Oh, DePredo or DePredo. Yeah, there we go. Yep. And you know, had, had played reasonably well, and you know, let him, you know, to uh, I think another victory. Uh, right? I think mm-hmm. he was quarterback when they beat Martha's Vineyard. Maybe. Anyway, um, so you know, they've been able to deal with all these injuries to key positions. And I uh, still kind of feel like each of their results is getting a little bit better each week. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I think that they're got to be pretty happy. And again, this week, um, so again, we're kind of jumping yeah, we over. Got a little, they're kinda, playing at Seekonk. At Seekonk, who's a team who obviously has pretty high expectations, had played much better the last few years in kind of a unique playing under Vernon, Vernon Crawford, a former Patriot. Um, and they just, ch- you know, chuck the ball almost seemingly every every play. Um, but they've been down this year, mm. so this will be interesting because has Voke and Seekonk have not played yet, or did they play earlier? this No, year? they have not played. So here's some of the so Seekonk beat Fairhaven seven to six. Uh, Voke Tech lost to Fairhaven nineteen to thirteen. We mentioned that those were both very early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they both beat Wareham. Voke Tech won twenty to six. Seekonk won forty one to eight. They both lost to DR. Uh, Seekonk lost forty five to thirteen. Vogue Tech lost 47-6. to six. Those are pretty similar. The big difference, though, is Vogue Tech beat Martha's Vineyard 27-14. to 14. Seekonk lost 15-7 to seven to Martha's Vineyard. Wow. Yeah, so it seems like Seekonk is um, kind of struggling down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, the, you know, Vogue's got a good chance to kind of capitalize on what happened last week. But, again, it's going to be, even though Seekonk's a little bit down, you know, the it's definitely going to be a tougher test than Bristol Plymouth last week. So we'll see how, how it goes. And 
uh, if uh, what is it, Cameron Lynch can Cameron Lynch, yes, live up to the billing. Yeah. So who are you picking? Uh, I'll go with Voke. Keep yeah, it me too. It seems like these are two teams with a little different trajectories right now. Yeah, and Seekonk is... But I do agree that the, it, yeah. it's not going to be like last week with a blowout. Yeah, and Seekonk is just infuriating to cover because they just... It's just the longest game, longest high school game you'll yeah. ever see. Because they'll throw, like, you know... I understand throwing the ball, but they'll throw the ball when they're completing, like, 35% of their passes, and it's like, oh, just do, you know... Clock does not run much <laughs> in those games. <laughs> so... So there's yeah, a little, little bit of a personal personal animus against Seekonk. And so that's Voketag at Seekonk at 7 o'clock on Friday. Uh, kind of another interesting SEC battle. We have uh, Case visiting Aponiquit, so we get to see uh, probably the best small SEC small team against a team that was kind of one of the bigger surprises in the SEC large, uh, finishing third in the large. Uh, Lakers uh, have lost a couple in a row. Uh, Case is coming off of a, a loss itself. But... You can play a little bit of their uh, so case is six and two though Poniquit's four and six. This game is six thirty on Friday. Uh, some of the score games here they both beat Bourne. Case won twenty eight to twelve. Poniquit won forty two to nineteen. They both beat Seekonk. Uh, case won. The score that I typed in here is obviously wrong. It was not fifty six to one hundred fifty eight. So I'm guessing it was either fifty six to fifteen or fifty six to eighteen. And then Aponiquit beat Seekonk 21-6. And then they both lost to OR, but that's where the results really differ. Aponiquit lost 39 to nothing. Uh, now, they were without Shane Cooney and Brent Dixon in that game. Although, uh, I believe Cooney is, is out for the season, so that won't factor into this game. Case obviously put up the really tough battle and lost 40-33 to on a uh, kickoff return in the last minute in the SEC Championship game. So... You look at that OR score and you're like, all right, Case should win this game. But I don't know if it'll be that definitive. Yeah, it's tough to tell. I mean, again, I haven't seen Case play this year, but it does seem like the score against ORR is so uh, doesn't jive with the rest of their, you know, the way they were beating teams. Again, they put a, yeah. had a nice record, but they just uh, weren't beating teams in kind of dominant fashion that you'd expect having gone like toe-to-toe with um, I think if you ask the coaches, Aponica would say that was their worst performance of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if the case coach said that was their best performance of the year, even though mm-hmm. it was a loss. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what it comes down to. And he, again, I think Aponica's in a really good spot because you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, you know, maybe seniors who are kind of checking out a little bit, and you know, the 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 season didn't go the way that they had expected, or they were hoping. Yeah, they to only play have a little four deeper. seniors, and now the you know, so again so they're they're playing. And now they're down to three. Yeah, so sophomores and and juniors that are really primed to make this a platform for next year. So I think that plays in Aponiquit's favor again. Aponiquit's hosting, so expect a you know a really close game. The one thing that worries me is uh, the stat line that Aponiquit had against Dedham, where Dedham's quarterback just shredded their mm-hmm. secondary. And we've seen, you know, in the good outing that Case had against ORR, their ability Danny to throw Silva, the ball. Danny Silva, you know, he can, he can throw the ball. He's not bad. Yeah, so and I Chris Costa is a great receiver. So you wonder if they have the film of the Dedham game or something and, uh, you know, saw how well they played against ORR. So I, I do think I'm expecting a close game here, but I, I guess I'm going to go with Case just because, I, I mean, that ORR finish is looking even more and more impressive. So uh, with that being said, but I expect a hard-fought game because – uh, these Aponiquit underclassmen are, are, are getting ready to, you know, make a run in the yeah. next couple of years. 2020, 2021, watch out for the Lakers for sure. Uh, the one other thing that's a little, you know, we talked about this last week is there's something you said for like kind of playing for 500 by the, late in the season. And at first you'd be like, how is Aponiquit's not going to finish 500 because they got to play old Rochester on Thanksgiving. 
But there's also a good chance that old Rogers is playing on Thanksgiving with a chance to go to Gillette and is maybe only playing at starters for a quarter, you know, like that game could get inter- could get weird, I guess, because yeah. of old Rochester possibly. Now, if they lose this week, I think old Rochester would roll in that game, but there may be some interesting playing time decisions, especially for a guy like Will Garcia, who's not a hundred percent. Now we'll see what uh, happens on Thanksgiving. So that might give the Lakers a little more of a thought in the back of the head. Like, Hey, if we win this game, we might have a chance on Thanksgiving if Old Rogers is still in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely something to think about. I know Duxbury made some headlines uh, a couple years ago because they did that. They you know had a berth in the I think were undefeated and they were playing their rival Marshfield and they, they they played exclusively their JVs. I think got blown out by something like forty and then went on to win the Super Bowl and you know be state champions for Division three. On the um, flip side of that, Dartmouth when they won their two Super Bowls played their starters for half each Thanksgiving mm-hmm. against Fairhaven and won the games. Um, you know, didn't play them as much as they probably would have. Uh, one of those games actually wasn't was still being decided, and then they pulled the starters. I remember yeah. that was, uh, I think, the Cam Charette year mm-hmm. uh, when Fairhaven had a pretty solid team. But, uh, yeah, it could be interesting. So uh, I, I saw these two teams both against Old Rochester. Obviously against Old Rochester, Case looked much better. But, again, I think I caught one team on their best day and one team on their worst day. I also saw Ponequip put together a really solid game against Vogue Tech. I said I'm still going to go with the Cardinals and Case. Mm-hmm. So now our last Friday game. Uh, New Bedford at four and five, uh, looking. We talked about that five hundred. They win this one. They're going to that Durfee game to finish above five hundred and win the big three. So this could kind of set them up for a really fun Thanksgiving day. They are visiting uh, Brookline, which is three and six. There is one score comparison to play here. Brookline lost forty nine to nothing to Natick. New Bedford, I'm sure we all remember, lost twenty one to twelve to Natick in a game they were winning twelve nothing. And just kind of let slip out of their fingers. And also, we were both at this game. I'd say the Whalers are coming off their best performance, not just of the season, but probably in three years. Yeah, the Milford game was a complete effort. Um, they were doing it. You know, True Williams played awesome. Uh, Shahid Barrows catching. I think Brendan Moniz had his best game mm-hmm. I've ever seen him play. I think, you know, something like six catches for 87 and a touchdown. Yep. Did a really nice job. And then Latrell Canto was doing Latrell Canto Everything things. was working. Yeah, getting It was hill. exactly how before the season you were like, how is New Bedford going to win a game? Well, True Williams is going to hit some big bombs to some of his really athletic receivers. Latrell Canto is going to control the game on the ground. Both the lines are going to control the line of scrimmage. And you're going to get a couple of takeaways from your secondary. Yeah, and they were doing really creative things on defense. They were showing kind of like a five-man front with some of their more um, movement-oriented linebackers on the field in Isaiah Gomes and Joe Johnson. Um, so you get a lot of speed, but you still get a five-man rush. So, you know, every lineman's covered. Um, I-, I was just totally impressed. And then that being said, this is my biggest grievance with this whole slate of games is New Bedford, you know, obviously we're no, no longer in the playoffs. But to, to make them drive, what, on a Friday traffic, an hour and a half to Brookline, to play a team that got blown out by a team that you played very competitively just leaves me scratching my head. I mean, I hope they put up big numbers. I hope they have, you know, they get some guys in. But this just seems nonsensical. I don't. On the flip side, I was talking to some folks from Dartmouth who, when they got Milford, were like, we got to drive an hour and a half to go get, you know, the tar beat out of us by Milford. So, so yeah, some of these non-playoff games end up being far away and not that competitive. Yeah, so I guess. The Mil- yeah, that was yeah the Milford one you know the, at, but at that point in time they were three and four I don't know if they had a common opponent um, I think Dartmouth knew going into it though they were in, in trouble they in were, that game they and, were in over their head and I think bit. they kind of felt like both Dartmouth and Milford were kind of like 
you know, the last kids to the dance and they didn't have dates. And so they kind of got hooked up by the MIA mm-hmm. without having a natural game. Well, and that one, and this is probably kind of what this one was, was, yeah. you know, kind of like, oh, we got New Bedford, we got Brookline, we don't really have anyone good for them to play. Let's connect them. Yeah, it just doesn't seem very competitive. I just have a hard time believing with it. A team that got, got eliminated last week, either Division One, Two, II, or Three, because um, it, it's not like they'd be any further away. And they'd at least give New Bedford a chance to uh, kind of ratchet it up because, again, and you don't want to overlook anybody, but the Durfee game's not looking terribly competitive. Yeah, and um, I don't, I don't know what the situation was, but I know there's a lot of like which ads are able to make it to the meeting. You know, I have a better chance of making their case and setting things up the way they want to versus an AD who might have something else going on or a playoff game he's got to be at on that Sunday. Yeah, you know, and they're just not able to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a lot, of, a lot of machinations go on. I think in those yeah. Sunday morning meetings and a lot of politics. Yep, but it could be a nice, you know, um, a, you know, keep keep rolling the best you can. But it does, you know, I don't know who else Brookline's played or if that was there were some extenuating circumstances with that Nada game. But uh, yeah, I just, I just know the score. But mm-hmm. certainly look at those and you feel like this should be a winnable game for the Whalers. Yeah, yeah. And if they, I mean, if they play like last week, there aren't too many teams that could be the Whalers. Yeah, I think if they brought that, well, that was a, that wasn't a bad Milford team. That was a pretty no, solid no. team. No, they and you saw what they did against Dartmouth, who, despite a, a losing record, is like not a terrible team, and they yeah. just you know mopped the floor. But again, it was this big strong team. They had I didn't catch his name, but their one of their offensive tackles was legit six eight. You know, yeah, the left tackle there, two, yeah, two ninety three hundred. So but, yeah. um, they had they had some big boys, and you know it was like a testament. You to, weren't sure if he was standing up or not when he was in a three point stance. Yeah. <laughs> he was so tall. Yeah, so now let's get to uh, the other big game. We started with the Old Rochester game. This is the other one that I'm pretty sure is the talker of the week. Uh, Dartmouth and Bishop's Tang will be facing off for the first time in four years. Uh, I know the Spartans players especially were kind of pining for this game and putting out a little push on social media to make it happen. And I'm sure that probably didn't factor in as much as they think it did. But uh, it it came to be, and Dartmouth is going to Spartan Village at 1 o'clock on Saturday for uh, renewal of the old uh, Battle of Slocum Road. This is going to be a fun one. This is kind of cool because the the one thing I was thinking about last week, and it didn't come because uh, Old Rochester is still playing, but I thought if Old Rochester got knocked off by Dedham, I would have loved to have seen Old Rochester versus New Bedford for kind of like the regional Super Bowl, the kind of the two yeah, teams that we two, understand. And yes, they're playing at very different divisions, but it, like kind of the regional, you know, who are the best teams. But then I saw this Dartmouth-Bishop-Stang game, and to a, a lower degree, we kind of get the same thing. Um, Dartmouth is a team that again is is kind of a uh, a victim of their own success because mm-hmm. they're playing such a challenging schedule whereas Bishop Stank started out like a house on fire and then has run into an incredibly challenging schedule outside of that coil game which sounded like you know just a last second um, thing but had a great effort against ORR and sounds like last week they you know we're on the comeback trail against uh, Norwell, Norwell, I yeah. believe. End up with a two-point loss. So they're, they're playing really well, have one of the most dynamic players in Justin Lopes uh, in the area. But then you're starting to see once Dartmouth has played against more reasonable uh, teams, we're seeing guys like Nolan Ellis, uh, Javar Williams, uh, Jacob Medeiros. Yeah, freshman that, really made uh, an impression last week. Yeah, so I, they've got a bunch of guys who, when they're playing at a more um, – uh, uh, teams that are good for our area. They're not- a little bit like Wareham, but ratcheted up a level. You know, like once they got into the like-minded, similar situation schools as them, it, you showed, yeah, you know, this isn't a bad team. Yeah. They just had a gauntlet to start the season. I mean, they they were in a situation where I think the best case scenario for the first four games was one and three. Yeah, and I think Central Catholic's one of the best five programs in the state. 
Milton's still playing football. Uh, I believe North Attleboro is still playing or just recently was, you know. And that's probably was the one winnable game in those yeah. first four. So, you know, they were they were playing crazy competition. And this is also interesting, too, because we also get, um, you know, Buddy comes out with his power rankings. And I know that there's kind of, you know, so uh, Bishop Stang would be Division Six and Dartmouth would be Division Four, So that factors in somewhat. But, you know, you saw Bishop Stang's like, you know, ranked as the third best team and Dartmouth was, you know, seven, maybe just ahead of Fairhaven or something. But I really think this is going to be an excellent, excellent game. I do too. I think it's going to be a very hard fought close game. And I think Dartmouth has found some stuff on offense. They had three rushing touchdowns with three different players last week. And I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think the first four weeks of the season, they had one rushing touchdown the whole first four weeks combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like they have something with Javar Williams. I was a little surprised, but I mean, he knows what he's talking about. When Buddy Thomas kind of dropped the Jordan Todman reference mm-hmm. in uh, relation to Javar Williams' breakout game, 141 yards and a touchdown, Buddy said it reminded him a little bit of uh, Jordan Todman kind of breaking out on Thanksgiving Day as a freshman. Uh, I don't know if he's at quite that elite level, but, I mean, even to be throwing that name around means something. Yeah, and, and Javar, Nolan I mean, Ellis, 95 yards and touchdown. The thing that's really impressive about Javar Williams is he's like, it's not, sometimes you see these freshmen that are just physical freaks of nature, like, you know, enormous, and you're just like, wait, I want to check this kid's birth certificate. <laughs> There's no way, or did he stay back or what? Javar Williams looks like a, physically looks like a freshman. He's just fearless, great vision, great quicks, and he's got all those things. And then you figure, well, he's probably going to grow in addition to these things. So to, to me, if I was Rick White, I would, you know, really excited about this. And then if I'm Bishop Stang, I'm a little worried because I think Bishop Stang thinks, you know, they're usually the ones that get bullied in these matchups. And I think they might be, you know, licking their chops saying, oh, now we get to take it to Dartmouth. And, you know, not so fast, my friend. Like, exactly, I think yeah. uh, Dartmouth don't, is... Don't sleep on the Indians. Yeah, Dartmouth is cresting at the right time. So um, that, that would kind of be my upset special. And, and again, it's partially just a challenge to Buddy's power rankings, which I, I find fatally flawed. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Dartmouth Indians playing their best game of the season and then having a chance to... I think Bishop Stang and Dartmouth might end with the same or close to the same record. Yeah, I think they're both going to end 4 Yeah, and so, I mean, you look at it, you figure Dartmouth is probably going to win on Thanksgiving against Fairhaven, and you figure Stang is probably even more likely, like, that's more, they're going to lose to Fian. Yeah, unless... In, is Fian still playing? No, they're out. No, they're out, that's right. Yeah. I was say, that would but, be the only situation was if Fian was resting, guys. You know, so you figure, you know, Stang's sitting at 4-5 and five with probably another loss on the record. And Dartmouth is sitting at two and seven with probably another win on the record. Mm-hmm. So then, th- this could be the one that decides, you know, if they're both four win teams or not. Yeah. By the end of it, that said, I'm going to disagree though. I'm going to go with the Spartans. And I told, I mean, um, Justin again, Lopes and you know, I think group. he's going to be the best player on the field. Uh, you know, and I, I just feel like I think Stang with his five game losing streak, and they seem like the team that's a little more fired up for this. Which also you could look at it as Dartmouth might come in being like, man, like they're disrespecting us by thinking that like they, they wanted this matchup. Like Stang seemed like the side that wanted this matchup even more, just looking at this kind of the social media side of things. And uh, I don't doubt that that will get Dartmouth uh, fired up. And I don't ever doubt that like Dartmouth teams like never kind of give up on a season. Like they're, you know, they're far from like being like, ah, oh, we're throwing in the towel on this one and moving to next year. That said, I don't know, there's something about it. I think Stang has the best player on the field, and this five-game losing streak, I think, is just going to give him some level of motivation that maybe Dartmouth doesn't get to. Yeah. No, so I, I don't know if it necessarily even comes down to the X's and O's as much as just, like, which yeah. team just desires this more. This would be my lowest confidence. It's very sports cliche of yeah. me, but I, I don't know. I have the, 
the least amount of confidence in this pick. So I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I really think Bishop Stang's a good team. There's no doubt about it. I just think Dartmouth has been we we sleep on them in the power rankings because they play such a challenging schedule. And now I think they're getting to a more and we get to kind of see this crossover game, which I'm just super stoked about. So yeah, it should be exciting. I'm uh, I was thinking I was going to take Saturday off actually, and then this game popped up, and I'm like. I'm working Saturday because I want to be there for that one. Yeah, no, this is this will be a good one, and hopefully, if the weather holds out and Spartan Village, yeah, and is a one o'clock a, game a fun, on, uh, yeah, fun, you know, kind of got that college, atmosphere. and they should be able to fill it up pretty easily. It's not a big stadium, not a lot of stands, so it should look pretty full. Yeah, I think it'll be a nice atmosphere. Yeah. So that's that. That's the the slate of games. That last one is uh, again one o'clock on Saturday. In the uh, we can still call it the battle for Slocum Road because Dartmouth plays football on Slocum Road, even if the school yeah. isn't there anymore. Yeah. That was someone giving you some hard time. Well, I don't know. I mean, it used to really be the battle for Slogan Road when they were, you know, whatever, a half mile apart, the schools themselves, yeah. on the same road. Now Dartmouth has actually moved its high school, you know, what is it on, uh, whatever road it's on now. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, the stadiums are still right there on Slocum Road. Yeah, no, I, it's I never like it's never fun when both teams it's have a home a nice, game like, t-shirt and they get a, out at the same time, and yeah. you're trying to make that drive out. A to young six. entrepreneur could like put together a nice little uh, t-shirt, you know, if they have a uh, Noah screen printer, you know. Yeah, a I would stay away from uh, convicts versus Catholics, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A little uh, Miami Notre Dame. Uh, I don't even remember what year reference. Well, we get the Catholics. Yeah, what would? Uh, oh yeah, well, we'll let you guys run with it. Yeah, um, let's do a little more brainstorming on yeah. that one. <laughs> Someone with a screen printing business, I'm sure, is uh, more creative than I. So, uh, yeah, as always, you can follow. We'll be covering uh, a lot of the, all the home games here on Twitter at SC underscore Varsity. You can read all the stories in the print edition of the Standard Dimes. Uh, most of the games will actually be in Sunday's paper, uh, including that Dartmouth Stang game and the uh, old Rochester game from uh, late Friday night. And you can uh, read them all online uh, within a couple hours of them happening at southcoasttoday.com, southcoastvarsity.com. Dot com And thanks for listening to our podcast. If you really like it, give us a follow, give us a good rating, uh, or just continue to enjoy us talking high school football. Thanks for being here, Sam. Thanks for having me. Take care.